Hey, Mel. Bri here. Gotta work from home today because the whole family caught a nasty... Daddy! Hey, Mikey! If you're gonna puke, find the popcorn bowl! But my availability is 110%. Coincidentally, so is my fever. <laughs> Kidding. Mel, I'm so cold but hot. Uh, but I'm gonna get you that budget. Just as soon as... Right. Mikey! Popcorn bowl! Press 1 to use Instacart and get your family's sick day essentials delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. Press 2 to keep working. Do not press 2. Just use Instacart. Brian. Hello once again, everybody, and thank you for joining me here on this Thursday, October 29th edition of ATS Radio. I'm your host, Adam Burke. I'll be joined today by professional better and handicapper Brad Powers from bradpowersports.com. Lots of college football, lots of NFL coming your way here on today's show. Over at ATS.io, lots of college football, lots of NFL over there as well. Top sportsbook promotions here for this week. Some announcements about some industry news. We're following along with the four states that have sports betting on the ballot here next week. Those are Louisiana, Maryland, Nebraska, and South Dakota. We'll be covering those over at the website here based on what's happening in those four states. And we got sportsbook reviews from across the country, state pages that tell you what's going on in each and every state. Lots of content, lots of great stuff over at ATS.io. And of course, while you're there, check out our ATS app. You can get the link to download the app in the Apple Store or in the Google Play Store. That app has article integration from the website, odds from different sports books across the U.S., lots of stats, trends, and information. And it's also a bet tracker, so you can follow along with your friends. You can track your own picks. You can do whatever you want. You can even send messages to the people that you follow over in that ATS app. So we definitely encourage you to check that out. And if you've missed any of the editions here of ATS Radio this week, including yesterday's show where we talked politics betting for the Trump-Biden election here with Kyle Hunter, you can check those out over at the website or wherever you stream and download your podcast content. With that, we got a guest here on today's show, and that is professional better and handicapper Brad Powers from bradpowersports.com. And Brad, how's it going today, man? That's going well. How you doing on this fine Thursday? I'm doing all right, man. Seasonal affective disorder is starting to kick in a little bit already, though. It's just been gray and gloomy here in Ohio for like the last (laughs) three weeks. The clocks fall back on Sunday, so it's going to be dark at like 430. Uh, Starting to get that seasonal affective disorder a little bit, (laughs) which is a good reminder for you that, you know, we just had a hurricane roll through the Gulf. We've got a lot of wind coming up in the NFL it is, again, we, we harp on this a lot, but once you get deeper into the fall, got to be checking those weather forecasts for sure. Absolutely. And obviously wind is the biggest factor, more than snow. We had a snow game go over last week, uh, more than rain. Certainly anything above, you know, the, when, once you start getting that 15 mile per hour plus, and this week it looks like it's 25 mile an hour. Uh, yeah, even though it's featuring a lot of teams that are, have been going over the total, it's going to be a struggle for a lot of these NFL teams this week. Yeah, definitely seeing some gusts up in the 40 to 45 range. And if that's going to be happening on Sunday, means it's going to be happening somewhere on Saturday. So make sure you take a look around for some of those college football totals that you know maybe haven't moved to this point that are going to uh, or something like that. But before we talk about week nine here, Brad, let's talk about week 10 because we record on Thursdays, obviously. And by the time we reconvene next week, the Mac will have already played its first round of games. The Mac begins next Wednesday night. All 12 teams are in action. So we wanted to take some time here on today's show, since we won't be able to talk about it next week, to talk about how we've set up our thoughts on the Mid-American Conference here for this season. And of course, 
know, as we know, COVID kind of wreaking havoc through Big Ten and MAC country. So maybe some things will change between now and then uh, on the coronavirus front. But just overall here, your general impressions of the MAC before we start digging into some of the teams specifically. Yeah, I mean, to me, even though they weren't picked to win the division, I think the clear-cut favorite is the Bulls from Buffalo. I think Lance Leopold's done a really good job there. Uh, you, you look at this year's team with 15 returning starters. I mean, they have a dynamic backfield. I mean, they, they return not one, but two 1,000-yard rushers from a year ago, both quarterbacks. I think people forget that they were banged up at, at quarterback, but but both were relatively efficient in Van Trees and Myers for them. Uh, defensively, they lose a couple of their top guys, but, man, offensively, they're, they're leading receivers back. Uh, just – <laughs> to me, uh, just because of the stability, and that'll be a big thing. It's his sixth year already now. Where does time go that Leopold's been there? To me, Buffalo's the best team. And uh, to me, the second best team would be probably Ohio, right there in the same division. Uh, even though Solich loses a, a three-plus-year starting quarterback in Nathan Rourke, I think outside of the quarterback spot, Ohio is as good as they've, they've been under Solich. What's the difference you have between those two teams? I have Buffalo minus four on a neutral. And so that means they're four points better than anybody else in the conference here for me. Uh, three. So I got Buffalo minus three. That, that's pretty significant, uh, to be honest with you. I'm not sure the market's going to reflect that. I think that might be a position that, that you and I have that, that's probably a little higher than the market. Yeah, I think so too. And, uh, you know, I think maybe I'm a little bit lower on Ohio than you are. I think that's probably the one point difference uh, that we have in our power ratings here. But what about the rest of the, of the Mac East? Because, you know, outside of Buffalo and, and, you know, to this point, based on what you and I are talking about here, Ohio, the rest of the conference isn't great. Miami of Ohio is kind of in that second tier, depending on your thoughts on Kent state, you know, they're maybe in that second tier there with Miami, but then obviously the two bottom feeders in the conference in Akron and Bowling Green. Well, yeah, we'll start with the bottom feeders. I mean, Bowling Green and Akron are two of the worst teams in the entire country. So uh, I know that they should be, they'll both be improved because they got second year coaches. But uh, I, I think as far as their development and programs, I think it'll be stunted with this COVID year. I, I, I think it's, you know, Bill Connolly for, that used to be of SB nation. Now he's uh, of ESPN. He, he coined the term year zero it was year zero situation for Akron and Bowling Green's head coaches last year. Now I think it's year one considering, you know, the, the, the COVID thing, I think set them back a little bit. Uh, yeah. Kent state Miami. I, I, uh, Miami's a little bit better. Uh, I, I think obviously the coaches voted Miami Ohio. I think there'll be some, maybe some possible value fading uh, the, the Red Hawks. They had multiple starters opt out. I got to read to make sure that those guys didn't opt back in. So that, that'll be a loss for them there. I, I, they've been fortunate. <laughs> uh, they, they won a bunch of close games uh, last year. I mean, they, they were outscored and outgained on the season, yet, you know, they found a way to win a MAC championship. So I think that's why they're getting overvalued right now. They're defending MAC champs. Statistically, they, they weren't great last year. So Miami of Ohio is a team I'm probably looking to fade. Kent State, inexperienced, but experienced at the best position experience at the best position and maybe the best quarterback in the entire conference get to know this name Dustin Crum I mean a guy that had a 20 to 2 that's 20 touchdowns two interceptions ratio last year and also ran for 700 yards I 
pro football focus rated him as one of the better group of five quarterbacks in the country. And I got to tell you, pop in the bowl tape. He outplayed Jordan Love in the bowl game last year. Jordan Love of the Green Bay Packers going in the first round. So that's a name to keep in the back of your head. Dustin Crum, quarterback, Kent State. Yeah, as I look through the rest of the Mac East here, I've got Miami of Ohio seven points lower than Buffalo. I've got Kent State nine and a half points lower than Buffalo. And then Akron and Bowling Green, I have power rated as a 44. They'd be 23 and a half point dogs on a neutral uh, to Buffalo. So that's kind of how I stack ranked the Mac East here. Yeah, I'm in similar. So pure power rating for me. And hey, man, if I'm ranting and you want me to go power ratings, just tell me, dude. Oh, uh, yeah, good. Buffalo Buffalo's right around a 24-point favorite over Akron and Bowling Green is what I have in my numbers, 23 and a half. Uh, Zips and Bowling Green, decimal points difference between uh, those two teams. I mean, again, I my bottom four teams in the country, Akron, Bowling Green, UL Monroe, Massachusetts. So that's how bad the Zips and Falcons are. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I totally agree. That's my bottom four here as well. And, uh, you know, again, I mean, it, it's one of those things where you wonder if one of those two programs starts to get a little bit better this year. And I don't know if they will. They will be hard to bet on, but also their numbers, you know, could wind up being a little bit inflated just because both of them were so bad last year. So maybe there's an opportunity to play on them. We'll talk about our projected lines for next Wednesday's games here. In a minute, after we take a look at the Mac West, and you know, I think by and large, the Mac West was tough for me to power rate. You know, I don't know how much Central Michigan drops off with Dormady gone, with Moore still serving that suspension uh, at least I think for you know the next little while. Toledo perennial team that's usually at the top of this division, they kind of fell off a little bit last year. Ball State, a team I think you and I both kind of like a little bit under the radar. Western Michigan, I don't know really what I'm going to get from them. Northern Illinois, they've fallen off quite considerably. And then Eastern Michigan, who has been really good, really competitive under Chris Creighton. They've lost a lot of close games, but their talent level seems to be a little bit lower this time around. Couldn't agree more. Uh, Very tough. I have Western Michigan, Central Michigan, and Toledo basically all tied. I got them right in that 60-point range as far as, you know, what my power rating on the team is. And where does that stack rank uh, throughout the country of the 127 teams that are playing? I have Toledo 86, Central Michigan 87, Western 89. So we're talking decimal points difference uh, as far as power ratings. I got a sneaky suspicion that Toledo's probably due for the bump up after an historically poor season for them. Uh, We'll see, though. They had a lot of staff turnover. I love the staff hires that they made. But again, I don't think this is the season per se. To, to have a lot of staff turnover. So that, that would be my main concern there. Central's due for a drop. Uh, Western, again, more question marks than answers, lose their starting quarterback. You're right. I mean, if there's a team that I'm looking to fade, it's probably Northern Illinois. Uh, name brand still carries some weight. If you follow college football, the reality is they're just not anywhere near the same program they were five, six years ago. And Eastern Michigan, you're right, is a team that I have power rated last in the division. But I respect Chris Creighton so much that I, even though I think they're going to take a step back this year, I'm not, you know, I don't anticipate myself, you know, running to the window to bet to fade the Eagles. So one thing I think I'm going to do here is I make some adjustments, you know, to the Mac power ratings here is that 
Central Michigan not realizing that Moore was still serving that suspension. That's something I have to make an adjustment for. That's probably two to three points when you consider the fact that Dormady is not there anymore. Uh, you'll want to give a team like Central Michigan the benefit of the doubt. They've got you know maybe the most accomplished head coach in this conference here in Jim McElwain, at least in yep. terms of being you know a power five type of guy. So I want to give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm probably going to make a couple point adjustment to Central Michigan, two, two and a half, maybe three at the most. That puts them pick them or plus one against Toledo on a neutral. I got Ball State just slightly behind that. Western Michigan, a point behind them. And then, as you mentioned, you know, Northern Illinois and Eastern Michigan, two teams that I don't think I want to have too many bets on and certainly look to fade Northern Illinois here, uh, you know, as much as I probably can. But as we look at the games here for next Wednesday, kind of give you an idea of where our lines sort of shake out here. Eastern Michigan, Kent State, I've got Kent State minus five. Western Michigan, Akron, Western Michigan minus 13 and a half. That game, of course, on the road at Akron. Not expecting much in the way of home field advantage in this conference here. Uh, First of all, these teams, by and large, don't draw super well anyway, uh, but also no fans in the MAC here uh, for this season. To my knowledge, maybe that's changed, um, but I think for now, there will be no fans here in this conference. Like I said, Kent State minus five against Eastern Michigan, Western Michigan minus 13 and a half against Akron. Where do you have those two directional Michigan schools next Wednesday? Uh, I got Kent State three at Eastern. I think that's a fair number. Anything around there, uh, I'm fine. Uh, and, and I got Western 15 and a half at Akron. So we're, we're kind of in the same boat here. And again, hey, typically if I'm around a key number and I'm a point or so off, I'm firing away. So much uncertainty in this year. Max already kind of a high, can be a high, higher variance league as it is per se. So I'm probably being a little more cautious with the Mac more than I usually am. Cause I, you know, I grew up in Mac country. I graduated uh, college from a Mac school. I know the conference pretty well, but this year I'm probably going to be tiptoeing a little bit, uh, even with some numbers that they're probably going to be soft. Well, let's just face it. I think we'll have some soft numbers. It's just, you know, my confidence level of betting into them isn't the same as what it usually would be. You, you said that game, that game's at Kent State, right? You have that at Kent State in your, in your numbers there? Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah. I, I guess it's at Kent okay. State. My bad, buddy. No, it's all good. Not a problem. I was firing away, you know, just writing down numbers, hand chicken scratch before the, the show. Yeah. I, you I, know, I wish they'd post them, uh, yeah, but, but I don't know why they're waiting. I mean, nothing's changing, but right. yeah, you're right. I, it's at home. No, it's all good. I mean, I actually, we forgot until this morning uh, that we were going to put together the Mac here uh, and talk about it on today's show, but I've got Buffalo minus nine and a half at Northern Illinois. I I wonder if that's a high enough number. Uh, I'm not sure where that line's going to come out, but probably would want to play on Buffalo there. As you mentioned, their level of continuity, a very big thing here early on in the season. And then Ohio and Central Michigan, when I make my adjustment to Central Michigan, which I, again, I said, two to three point adjustment here. I will have Ohio a slight favorite going up to Mount Pleasant, uh, but that game is, you know, by and large in the pick'em range for me. Yeah. Buffalo for me uh, is 10. That'll be one that I'm looking to bet on Buffalo uh, just because I think I, I have them as a clear cut favorite in the Mac. You have them as well. Although the coaches don't. So, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll see in that regard. And I just remember yeah, a little inside info, Northern Illinois, led this whole COVID shutdown. I think people forget the athletic director, the head coach and whatnot. They were the program that started the shutdown. They were the ones leading, Hey, we're not going to play this year. And remember the Mac was the first conference to shut it down. So 
I don't think Northern Illinois, if I'm reading tea leaves correctly, I don't think they were looking forward to playing this season. So Buffalo for me is the the, the position I'm looking to take there. Uh, And then as far as the other one, I have Ohio minus two and a half. I can't lay a full three because I don't know what they have at quarterback. It probably is going to be Nathan Rourke's brother, but I haven't seen him. They're very lightly experienced. Hell, they could trot Armani Rogers, the UNLV transfer out there. I'm not, I respect McElwain so much that I can't lay the full field goal, but I do think the Bobcats deserve to be the slight favorite there. Well, then I have Ball State and Miami of Ohio here. I got Miami minus two. That would be a pick up on a neutral, so that's just home field advantage. And I am upping my home field advantage in my power ratings for next week based on talking here with Brad, based on kind of talking to some other people here in the business. And, you know, that San Jose State, New Mexico game, where that one, based on the adjusted line, it looked like Circa was giving pretty close to full home field advantage in that game. So obviously, an adjustment that I need to make, which makes Miami minus two in Oxford for that one. And then the I-75 rivalry game between Bowling Green and Toledo. I got Toledo minus 19 in that one. Very interesting result in that head-to-head matchup last year. Yeah, I mean, Bowling Green pulled off the biggest upset in the history of Bowling Green football last year. They were right around a 26-and-a-half point underdog, won the game outright. I watched that game. That was one game that I watched play-for-play this offseason. I was bored. Uh, and, and watch that, rewatch the game. I, it might be because, uh, you know, I'm a Bowling Green alum and they haven't had much success against Toledo, but uh, I got a 20. I think that's a little high in a rivalry game week one. I, I think I'm a little higher in the marketplace on Toledo. Uh, I can tell you this, you know, I should, be, I, om, I almost always, you know, refer to my numbers, but that is one where, you know, I think I could throw my pure power rating out the window a little bit. I, if you gave me 20 with BG in a rivalry game, I'd probably bet the Falcons in that one. Uh, the other one, uh, Miami, Ohio, I only have one. If you're asking me where I, I anticipate the most having a bet, probably be this one. I think I'm going to be higher in the market than Ball State. I think I'm going to be lower in the market on Miami. I was really surprised Miami, Ohio was picked as the favorite. Uh, maybe I shouldn't be. They're defending Mac Champ. That's what people do. But uh, – that the fact that they were picked tells me that this line isn't going to be one. You're the defending Mac champ. You're at home. You're playing at least three, I think, in my opinion here. And if that's the case, I'll take Ball State. Yeah, I think both of us are going to wind up having some Ball State action here next Wednesday night. And again, we'll see where these lines come out on Sunday. But you know, we just gave you an idea of what our numbers are. So maybe you'll have the opportunity to grab some line value. Like we said, maybe Buffalo going to be isolated as a play. Uh, Ball State, a good chance at that one being a play. And in fact, Ball State, probably the likeliest of the play. Yep. Maybe maybe Kent State. I, I sort of wonder. You know, All Kent, right. Kent State did get a lot of run last year, though, because, you know, as you mentioned, I mean, they made it to a bowl game. They've really overachieved, I think, in the years that Sean Lewis has been there. Maybe they're kind of getting on the map a little bit. Maybe Eastern Michigan kind of falling by the wayside to a degree again. I don't know. Maybe that's one I kind of wind up taking a look at. Uh, but you know, something to keep in mind here is that it's a Wednesday night. It's Maction. Yep. People still romanticize the Mac, even though Maction days are, are pretty much long gone in this conference. We're not seeing the 66 to 63 types of games anymore. But a lot of people will get invested in this conference next Wednesday that probably haven't done a whole lot of research yep. on it. So there probably will be some opportunities to get some kind of line value out of those six games. I agree. Uh 
one thing that pulls me back a little bit, Kent State was so good at the end of last year. They pulled four straight outright upsets to close the, the, the year. Uh, and I think people are going to remember that. And the reality is, if you remember the Buffalo game, they probably had no business winning that game. That kind of spurred them to their bowl game. So, and they ended up being a bowl outright upset. So that, that concerns me. Usually teams that are super hot at the end of last year usually aren't super hot. Uh, they're overvalued in the market all off season. No, that's an excellent point. And these games are, you know, look, they're on ESPN2, ESPN, CBS yep. Sports Network, ESPN. I'm excited, man. Yeah. Hell yeah. Absolutely. I, I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna turn my nose up at the Mac. I mean, I and like you, both of us in Mac country, both of us having gone to Mac schools. I mean, it's a conference that we've just always kind of followed. So, yep. you know, of course, uh, both of our programs absolute dog shit right now. But you know, it kind of is what it is. You're an Akron guy. I'm an Akron guy. Yeah. I thought you were Kent State. Zips. Oh, dang. No. That's offensive. Oh, wow, that is offensive. offensive. My bad. That's I thought fine. you went to Kent State. No, no, went to Akron. Definitely, uh, definitely remember the the better days of the football team. Although that, that new stadium, it's not new anymore. It was finished uh, shortly after I graduated. But uh, that new stadium is pretty nice down there in Akron. Great place Very to nice. watch a game if you, you know, get a chance to go. But obviously this year, uh, not really going to be getting a chance to go. So give you our thoughts on the MAC there. We'll give you our thoughts on the Pac-12 next week uh, as the last of the Power 5 conferences gets going. Believe what? Uh, no, Saturday. They don't have a weeknight game. So Saturday, everything starts in the Pac-12. Yeah, nine morning. o'clock in the morning. SC and Arizona State. Can you believe that? It's a decent game. It's a the, good uh, game, the, but nine the, o'clock the big, in the morning. The you big want to be noon taken Saturday serious? game. Yeah, right. Yeah, you want to be taken serious? Ugh. Yeah. Well, we will talk about that conference though here uh, on next week's show. But with that, we're gonna run through a lot of games here. We talk about a lot of topics and stuff like that. And frankly, I like doing that on the show, but. You know, we didn't get to a ton of games yesterday with Kyle Hunter because we did some of that political discussion. So we'll talk about more games here on today's show. And we'll start with one here on Thursday night just because there's been some pretty interesting line movement here. Colorado State, Fresno State. This one's hit three, come back to two and a half, gone back to three, gone back to two and a half. This one's danced around all morning here, which is interesting because we've got one data point for Fresno State. It wasn't good. We have no data points for Colorado State so far. We don't, and if you told me before the season, if there's one team, you know, maybe that I'm a little higher in the market than, than most, probably was Fresno State. Obviously, that one data point last week wasn't good, especially what's more concerning for me is the market being anti-Fresno State that showed in the game result last week against Y market anti-Fresno State again. And if there was one team Brad Powers was anti, it's probably Colorado State. Uh, I'm just not buying Steve Adazio. Like uh, I would say <laughs> uh, a square fit, uh, a square fit into a round hole type of fit here. No, no ties to the Colorado state or the conference uh, wore out as welcome. You look at BC out exceeding expectations on a first year coach without Adazio, all the off off season turmoil with that program. I, I mean, I, I disagree with the move. I mean, I Fresno's to play for me. Yeah, I, I got this one here at uh, Colorado State minus one. So I was closer to the open. I, I'm i not going to have a play at three. If for whatever reason this gets to three and a half, I may have some kind of rooting interest with only two games tonight. Uh, but you know, really not a game I'm super interested in. But again, you know, if you do power ratings, if you want to create your own numbers, if you want to try and get ahead of the market a little bit, it's important to note these types of things where this is the second week in a row 
that Fresno State has been bet against by yep. some pretty influential money. So, you know, and furthermore, when you consider that Friday's Mountain West game, which we did talk about on yesterday's show with Hawaii and Wyoming, Hawaii took all that money last week. This week, it's a lot of Wyoming money, not to mention over money in that game. So that's even more indicative of the indictment of Fresno State for a lot of people out there. So, you know, the Bulldogs, uh, we'll see what they do tonight. We'll see if they live up to expectations or not. But obviously, that's a team that a lot of people just don't really like right now at this point in time. Let's fast forward to Saturday here and hit up a few of these games. And uh, there are a lot of interesting games that we could touch on. But one that I want to start with here, Wake Forest and Syracuse. Wake Forest, an 11-point favorite, total 59 in the second game on the board here for Saturday by rotation number. Ran a query over at killersports.com. First double-digit road favorite role in a conference game for Wake Forest since 2005. And the fact of the matter is it's probably warranted against Syracuse. Yeah, I mean, I would say the Orange are probably the worst team in the ACC as seen probably in that in that span of the last 15 years. Although, didn't look at last week. I mean, certainly uh, kicking myself for not taking the 47.5 points last week with them, but I, I was scared. <laughs> and that shows you how bad the, the orange have been. Uh, not ideal to take, you know, to bet on Wake Forest after a big outright upset win, but I really respect Dave Clawson. Uh, my number's 13. I would lean Wake here. Why it's not a, a bigger play for me, it's not a like, it's not a big bet, uh, is because uh, of, you know, it's just not a great situation. But one thing I, I do want to note, the great thing that Syracuse does do one thing really well this year, they force turnovers on defense uh, about as good as anybody in the country. Problem is wake one turnover this year on offense, this whole season, they don't turn it over. So they don't beat themselves. And if they don't beat themselves, then I expect them to cover this number. I have this one 10. So we're a little bit off there, but I think part of it is, and I talked about this last week uh, with regards to uh, wake forest and, and Virginia tech that, I don't think I've properly respected what Wake Forest has done so far this season. This is a hell of a coaching job from Dave Clawson. I mean, he, he's done a very good <sighs> job here with a team that had Unbelievable. very low expectation. I mean, what people were rushing to bet their under season win total, weren't they? I'm being, I'm one of them. That's going to be a loser for me. Yeah. Stunning. It happens. I, I thought I'll have losers, right? <laughs> as much as everybody on Twitter goes 95%, uh, you know, we all <laughs> lose from time to time, right? We do. I had, you know, I, I bet both of these teams. My top two season win total bets were these two teams. Wake Forest under five and a half and Syracuse under five. One bet I think is a shoe in. The other one, I mean, I, it's going to be, it's going to be tough to, to win. I can't believe I'm, I'm going to probably lose a Wake Forest under five and a half. I love that play. Yeah. Well, you know, again, uh, Clawson doing a fantastic job there uh, in Winston-Salem. What about the next game on the board here in the ACC? This one's down in a primetime time slot, 8 o'clock Eastern time. North Carolina, Virginia, the Tar Heels favored by seven. Total on this game, 61 and a half. And I will tell you up front, this is one of my biggest overlays of the week with North Carolina. They're more like minus 12 for me. And maybe I haven't lowered them enough because of some of their defensive struggles. But damn, this offense is still really good. Yeah, I got a nine and a half. I, I bet them four at Circa Open. Oh, uh, I what a feel number. very, yeah, I feel very good about that. I'm probably kicking myself. I I was intrigued by the move because you know it went to seven and then came back down to six and a half, and I'm like, oh wow, might might be 
some sharp money here on Virginia. I'm a little concerned with that, but you know, of course I didn't give it out yesterday when my newsletter hit and it went right to seven. So probably a missed opportunity to give out the Tar Heels at, at six and a half. Yeah. I don't get the line. It, it, I respect Bronco Mendenhall. He's one of the more underrated coaches, but I just think North Carolina is clearly the superior team. They tripped up against Florida state. They had one bad half of football. Uh, and, and honestly, if they take care of a few things in the second half, they probably rally and beat Florida state in that game. If just a, a few things went their way. Uh, so yeah, I nine and a half. I, I thought, I thought the line would be in that range close to 10. So yeah, the Tar Heels, I agree. And I think to me, and we talk about this all the time and I know you go through and regrade games kind of based on, you know, the trajectory of the teams. We talk about the transitive property of college football here and I think what's keeping this number a little bit lower or maybe, you know, resulting in some of that buyback that we saw from, you know, seven back to six and a half. And then of course now going back to seven is that Florida state got embarrassed last week. So mm, good point. That North Carolina lost to Florida state looks worse because of a game that they weren't even involved in. And, and that's something that I think we've seen kind of that overreaction quite a bit here in the college football marketplace that, you know, probably the reason why Circa came out and opened four there, I, I believe me, the, the guys at the Circa do a phenomenal job. They're all much smarter than I am. But I do wonder if in some of their openers, they have been a little bit prone to overreaction in some of these games, in particular in ACC play, where everyone's kind of been very Jekyll and Hyde. I, I think that that's probably the the explanation for that one. Maybe. Uh I love circuits, my favorite book in town. Uh, I will support them uh, as long as they keep doing what they're doing. But I think I could set college football lines better than they can. They could they would crush me in any other sport. Uh, but I, I think I, I think there's some uh, room for an improvement in, in some of their lines. Uh, but I hope they don't improve, obviously, so I can bet them. But uh, I just. I, I don't. I, I didn't understand that one. That was just an automatic. And remember, I got to make these decisions within mi- this year, within a minute or two, or it's gone. That to me, I just I didn't understand that one at all. So well, I, and, I, and look, I mean, maybe it's it's the difference between being on that side of the counter and being on our side of the counter. You know, maybe you do in this day and age have to react a little bit more to perception. You know, maybe, yeah. maybe it's just maybe that's the thing. You know, that they have they have different sorts of ideas when they're setting their openers mm, than we good do. Point. So, you know, I, I don't want to, and I think maybe it's just, you know, that difference in mentality of, you know, us on this side of the counter, them on that side of the counter of, you know, more people probably do pay attention to the results. Whereas we're digging a little bit deeper and, you know, Hey, I mean, we'll see, we'll see what happens with this game. Maybe four would have been the right number. Maybe something closer to 10 like ours is the right number, but everything's kind of settled in between now. So good point. I guess we'll sort of see how everything plays out. What about game 117-118 here? Kansas State, West Virginia. And this is an important game with regards to box score study where, yeah, Kansas State hammered Kansas in the Sunflower Showdown, also returned two punts for touchdowns, returned a punt inside the red zone. Kansas fumbled a punt. Kansas State had a pick six. All kinds of things went Kansas State's way in that game. And they made their own breaks because their special teams have been excellent all year long. But some people may be surprised to see West Virginia minus three and a half, minus four against a team that is ranked. Yeah, I I think it's a good spot to bet West Virginia. Uh, I, I If I had to guess, West Virginia is going to be the right side here. My numbers don't call for it, which is surprising because 
I mean, my numbers take into consideration that the Mountaineers are outgaining their opponents by nearly a couple hundred, couple hundred yards per game this year. Meanwhile, Kansas State's minus 60. But, man, Kansas State just does all the little things well. I, I mean, I, it would be fluke. You would say, ah, it's a fluke. But yet they do it game after game, year after year, this program, special teams, taking care of the football. I, I mean, honestly, it's almost like the program's be, been rejuvenated uh, under Chris Kleiman, where they kind of weren't doing those things as well the last couple of years under Bill Snyder. Now it's like right back to, to, to where they were uh, th- you know, several years ago do, doing all these things. They're the best underdog team in the entire country. I mean, it doesn't matter if, if it's Kleiman or, or Bill Snyder. I mean, they're covering 67% since 2009 as an underdog. That keeps me off it and also keeps me off it. I bet West Virginia last week uh, and just, I don't know, the, the program, they don't do the little things well. Box score looks great for West Virginia. They're sloppy with the football when it comes to turnovers. And, and they miss stuff. on. They'll miss a key block and get their quarterback hit. That's why I just can't lay the three and a half here. I think it's the right side, but man, those little things add up, and this could be a, a frustrating game if you're betting on the West Virginia side. Yeah, for sure. I mean, my line's West Virginia minus four and a half. It's it's not far enough off for me to play it. I think the spot is interesting. I will mention that Kansas State has covered five in a row, all in the underdog role, off of the rivalry game against Kansas. So no letdown for them coming off the rivalry. I mean, you probably shouldn't because it's a very one-sided rivalry yeah. at that. But uh, you know, it's always interesting to take a look at how teams do coming off of a big rivalry game. And of course, you know, this year, the margin of victory, one of the biggest that they've had. So we'll see how they do going up to Morgantown here for a tricky trip up to the Appalachia country and an early kickoff here too. So we'll see how that kind of uh, hurts or helps Kansas State in that one against West Virginia. We were dead wrong last week on Notre Dame. We were just, I don't think we could have been more wrong on that game. Uh, It was not good. Basically from start to finish, not good. Notre Dame here laying 20 against Georgia Tech, a Georgia Tech team that they haven't really looked all that great the last few weeks either. But Notre Dame's got Clemson on deck in what could very well be a college football playoff quarterfinal, I guess I could call it here, in the ACC. What, What do you do with Notre Dame this week? Uh, I'm not a strong fading him. Uh, look, I'm not that low on the market. Notre Dame. I got a number five in the country. In my power ratings. I only have Clemson, Ohio state, Alabama, Georgia, and now Notre Dame. I mean, that's where I have it. It's not like I was extremely low on them last week. I just thought matchup wise, uh, it was a good matchup for Pitt. Obviously it wasn't, couldn't have been more wrong there. Notre Dame couldn't throw the football all year. All of a sudden they throw for 300 yards. So to me, that was a little bit of an outlier. It was an outlier. The fact that Notre Dame always struggles with Pitt. It didn't matter who the coaches were, who the players are for 20, 30, 40 years. They always struggled with Pitt. They didn't, they crushed them. Uh, and I, I was stunned. Notre Dame played their best game of the season. This is my worst pick of the year. Something tells me that they won't look as dominant this week. But but the reason I can't talk myself into betting Georgia Tech is they, too, struggle with turnovers, just like Pitt did throwing picks last week. And I don't want to take a flyer with, with Georgia Tech because they're not buttoned up. Notre Dame's very buttoned up on defense. Uh, so uh, they don't give up the big play. And if you're prone to turnovers, I mean, they'll take advantage of them. So I think Georgia Tech, Sound, you know, power ratings. I have it at 18 and a half. I lean yellow jackets. I'll probably bet a little. 
just that out of that. <laughs> usually when I'm so wrong about a team one week, it usually comes back around a little bit the next. So for that reason alone, I'll play a little on Georgia tech. What's your line for next week with Clemson at Notre Dame? 11 sounds cheap, but again, that, that just goes to show you that I'm not as down on everyone acts. Oh, you're so down on Notre Dame just because I bet against them three weeks. I went two and one. I I'll, I'll die a very rich man. If I go two and one every day of my life, I'll do that. Sign me up right now. But uh, yeah, I only have it 11. Uh, I, I, th- that's a pure power rating line. Uh, I, if you, t- if you gave me 11 at Circa on s- this Sunday morning, I, I would bet Clemson at minus 11, just from, from what I've seen. I, you know, even though I think Georgia Tech's probably the right side here, I'm hoping Notre Dame wins the game by 50 points. Well, I, I really do. I want them to win by 50. I want Clemson to struggle with Boston College. Get me under 10 for next week. That's what, that's my, that's what I really am looking for. Well, when I make the adjustment to home field and the calculations that I have, I, I'm going to have that game 13. So all right. Clemson minus 13 at Notre Dame. So we'll see where that number comes out. I, man, I, I hope you get a nine at Circa. I, I really hope you get nine, nine. I doubt it. I really I, do. I doubt, I doubt it. it. And it's not going to happen. But. I, I think the one thing that hurts that, again, sort of looking at, at sort of this results-based handicap, Clemson's had to step up in class one time. It was against Miami of Florida. They and did they throttled them. I mean, they crushed them in that way game. worse than that final too. Yeah. So that's what people are going to remember. They're going to say, okay, yeah. Clemson dicked around with Syracuse last week, but when they had to play, they did, you know, when they played Miami. So that'll probably put that line 11 and a half, 12, something like that. And then of course we'll see kind of where it goes from there. What about game 135, 136 here, Ohio state, Penn state, 11, 11 and a half, 12, that kind of all around that range out there in the marketplace, 63 and a half, the total for this one in what will be kind of an empty and depressing happy Valley at night. Yeah. So, I mean, typically the whiteout for me is my highest home field advantage I give for any game of the season. I mean, I just, you watch it on TV. It's an incredible atmosphere. What it's is that about won't... four, four, four and a half. Uh, I think I put it at five. Okay. I think I do. I put five on that one. I think typically Penn State's in that four range, but yeah, I, I upped that one. I, it's almost like uh, I'm dating myself. Spinal tap speakers going to 11. That, that's one where I crank it to five for one game, home field advantage. Not going to be the case this week. Speaking of Circa, uh, eight. I laid eight with Ohio State. I thought that the line had to be double digits. And it went in that direction. Not sure that I see a ton of value at the current number. Uh, something tells me, I mean, you're, oh, Penn State's going to play much better than what they did last week. I mean, they'll clean up a few things. I mean, it was significant. That, I mean, I really like Indiana, this Indiana team. And yet Penn State, you know, I'll gain them by 250 yards. So box score looked really good for Penn State against a decent team. Something tells me, I mean, they're going to get, you know, A-plus effort. I'm not just sure it's going to be enough. I think Ohio State might be just that damn good. So uh, the Buckeyes defense worries me a little bit, the ground game a little bit. But, man, I got an elite quarterback, an elite head coach. And, damn, I mean, they covered against Nebraska last week. And, really, if you watched the first 20 minutes of that game, you thought you for sure had an easy winner with Nebraska. Uh, I took an off play, an off number of 28. I lost the damn game. I mean, that's unbelievable. Yeah, I had 26. I thought it was dead for a while. Just Ohio State just 
They looked disjointed. They looked out of sync. The offensive line had some major. They won a game by 35. And they won the game by 35. And, and that was the thing. You know, I even said that on Twitter. I'm like, well, that was a casual 50 burger that Ohio State put up because it never felt like they were going to hang 50. It just didn't. I mean, huh. you know, Olave had the drop in the end zone on Fields' one incomplete pass. But the running game, and that's something I, I do think going forward could be concerning for Ohio State. Master Teague is not J.K. Dobbins. They, yep. There is a big difference between those two players. And I don't know if they have something behind Master Teague that they want to use. You know, Sermon kind of, doesn't look like it. No, Sermon doesn't look like it. And, and the thing about Dobbins was he was so good out of the backfield catching passes. Yeah. Just so, so good. And Teague doesn't have that to his game. So for Ohio State, I think they got to figure out something a little bit different. And I don't know if that's using the tight end a little bit more. I don't know if that's going deeper down the depth chart, something like that. They certainly don't want Fields to run as much as he had to in the first half of that game last week. Ohio State's got some things to figure out. And I'm not going to take Penn State, but I'm going to take under 63 and a half here. There you go. Up a little bit as we get closer to kickoff. I think that is a possibility. Something about Ohio State just doesn't look fully there. And it's only one data point, but they're stepping up in competition here in a pretty big way. So I think the under may be the way to look here in this one. Yeah, I agree. I only had the uh, the total of 59, so I'm with you, bud. You think it goes up? I think it has to, right? Yeah, I could. Ohio I'm State trying to think. a ton of points. Yeah, Penn, Penn State gave up a bunch of points We got a couple data week. points, and game yeah. day money last week was on the over in both of these teams' games. Yeah. yeah. I think so. I think it's probably the way that it goes. Got to check weather, though. That's true. That's a good point. Very, very good point there. All right, what about uh, – Let's go to, let's see if we can find a game kind of off the beaten path here a little bit. Cause I do like to talk about a lot of those types of games too here. Uh, let's talk about a game. I guess we'll go ahead and say in your backyard here, Nevada and UNLV 153, 154 Nevada's up to 14. And this total is 60 here in this one. I mean, are, are we all just, you know, kind of victims of the moment here with Nevada outright over Wyoming last week and UNLV with 2.91 yards per play in their game against San Diego state, or is there something more to what's happening here? Uh, it's too much. I mean, I bet Nevada minus eight. I mean, another circuit world opener where I was just like, man, that's going to race. I mean, you got to anticipate. I think that's one you got to anticipate the market sometimes. And you know what you just saw Nevada had a good performance. UNLV was dog crap. I'm sure people only watched the first half. I mean, that's all I could stand when it's 27, nothing and San Diego state had more points than UNLV had yards on offense. Uh, but I saw some things in the second half. They fought. They didn't wave the white flag and got crushed in that game. I mean, they could have, you know, they're fighting to cover, uh, honestly. And I tweeted this out, uh, <laughs> a play call I didn't agree with there in the fourth quarter. But it's too much. I only have it like nine and a half. And yeah, and I, I fired it at minus eight on Nevada, thinking, oh, it's going to race to 10. And, man, I, I didn't anticipate it racing to 14. I'm only one data point, so it's not with extreme confidence that I'm going to fire back and look, you know, at UNLV. But, but yeah, I am going to take a piece back on, on the Rabbits here at 14. I, I just think too much of an overreaction. And they got to be somewhat excited to be playing in Allegiant Stadium. They're going to allow a couple thousand fans for the first – fans are going to be in there for the first time this year. Yeah, I think 14 is just a little too much in a rivalry game that UNLV, at least under Sanchez – had gotten the better in Nevada the last couple of years. Yeah, when you look at this one, in this head-to-head rivalry, this will be the biggest underdog role for UNLV since 2011. And I know you like to play, you know, either on or against some of those historical outliers, depending yeah. on, 
you know, what the outlier is. And, and for right now, this is one. So, you know, definitely an interesting game. I agree with you. I think this line's just gotten too high. I had it more in that eight, eight and a half range myself. So uh, definitely one where this line is just kind of off the rails a little bit. How about this game here? Uh, let's go to UCF and Houston, because I think this one's pretty interesting. We'll do a highlight video here in a couple of minutes uh, on a couple of games further down the board. But we have a total of 82 and a half with Central Florida, a two and a half or three point favorite here on the road. Yeah, it's historically high. Uh, we didn't even see a total this high last year in college football. I think it was a Houston, Oklahoma uh, game that reached 80 and a half, but no other game in college football last year, no other game this year has seen a total this high. And again, outliers, outliers. Do I want to fire on the under? No, I don't. Uh, I mean, UCF to me, uh, I mean, perfect over team. Uh, I mean, just play after play after play. I mean, a team that, that right now is looking to set the all-time record as far as yards per game on offense. That's how good they've been. They need to clean up the penalties. They're last in the country in penalties. Uh, now, otherwise, they'd score more. I mean, if they have a clean game penalty-wise, this is a team that could put 60 in a blink of an eye on anybody. And Houston, uh, you know, offensively much better than what they were a year ago. UCF is probably the, the, the play that I would make, though. Uh, I got it more closer in the three-and-a-half range, so I, I think I'd be more willing just to lay, lay the favorite here. Yeah, I think when you look at something like game flow and kind of game state for this, if you're expecting 80-plus points, who does that style of game benefit the most? And the answer is UCF because good point. they're not getting stopped. I mean, they just their offense is so good. Dylan Gabriel is so good. And you think about last week's game, too. I mean, they dominated Tulane. That box, that final score is nowhere near indicative of what happened in that game. They almost doubled them up in yards, and Tulane had like 370-something yards. So that was a spot where Tulane had, a, I think, a pick six and then also had like a four-yard touchdown drive or something like that in the fourth quarter. So 14 UCF ended points. the game on the one. Yeah, so 14 gift points for Tulane. UCF could have scored again if they wanted to. That was a misleading boxer. I'm surprised this line has actually gone to two and a half at some places. I really am. My number is only three and a half, but again, UCF just kind of fits the profile here, especially in this higher scoring environment. So I think, I think we, we both may wind up on UCF in that one. Yeah. Lean that way. Pizza bat. Do it. Do it. Peer <laughs> pressure. Do it. <laughs> Close games. They've been awful last couple That's years true. under Hypo. I mean, they just have, and they're, again, I go back, they're not buttoned up. You mentioned a dominating box score against Tulane last week. They were dominating Memphis as well. Uh-huh. And, you know, fumbles at the goal line and crazy stuff in that game and couldn't get it done. Their kicker misses a field goal. I mean, somebody wants to fight him on the sidelines. This team is not buttoned up. So that's, yeah, typically lines two and a half. I have three and a half off a key number three. I'll lay it, and I think that's the way to go here, but it's not going to be a big bet because, again, I am worried that UCF is not buttoned up. But then again, it's Dana Holgerson on the other side. Right. Well, if you're going to want to fight anybody on the sideline, it's probably the kicker, right? (laughs) Maybe maybe the punter? Yeah. No offense. Probably the kicker. Punter, yeah, I'd rather fight the kicker than the punter. (laughs) Punters can lay the wood sometimes. We've we've seen some punters throw some good hits out there. No offense to any kickers and punters out there. Uh, listening to ATS radio. All right, let's go ahead and do a highlight video here. Four game, 181, 182, LSU and Auburn. I'm ATS radio host, Adam Burke. Joining me, professional better and handicapper, Brad Powers from bradpowersports.com. And 
This is a big one here in the SEC West between, as I mentioned, LSU and Auburn. Tigers guaranteed to win this game, but which <laughs> university's Tigers will win? I'm going to go the dog here. I'm going to go Auburn. And the home team's been the pick in the series. I mean, the home team is 17-3 and three last 20 times they've played. That shows you how close they are, that, that home field could be that much of an advantage. But it also shows you, man, home field must be a big advantage. Although COVID-20 year, home field maybe doesn't mean as much. So maybe throw that stat out the window. Here's where I do think there's value. I think LSU got upgraded too much for last week's blowout win over South Carolina. If you look at statistically, and maybe this is why LSU's favored, Auburn lost at South Carolina two weeks ago. LSU just got beat, done beating South Carolina by four touchdowns last week. So maybe that's why. But you dive into the box scores of each game. And honestly, even though you got a huge discrepancy there, if you look statistically, Auburn had a more impressive performance against South Carolina than LSU did. And for that reason and that reason alone, I think there's value on Auburn. I have Auburn in my power rings. This is one of my biggest overlays of the week by like a point. Uh, so that should signify a bet for me. It's just Auburn hasn't looked good hardly in any game so far this season for me. Uh, th- th- that gives me a little bit of pause, but I think wrong team favored. Yeah, I think the wrong team's favored here too. And and again, I mean, I only have Auburn minus half a point. So this one's pretty close. And when I do upgrade my home field, it'd be Auburn minus one and a half. So, you know, it's still a wrong team favorite situation for me. I'm not eager to go out there and play the three. If I find a cheap three, you know, minus 05, even money, something like that. At that point, I'll probably take a piece of Auburn. If I find a three and a half, I'm certainly taking a piece of Auburn here. But like you said, you know, I mean, Auburn outgained South Carolina quite considerably in that game at Williams-Brice. Turnovers. Bo Nix just had turnovers. And, and that is the thing you worry about with Bo Nix, but also, you know, no Miles Brennan for LSU again this week. Was that a one-week blip because South Carolina didn't really know exactly what to prep for? And now Auburn has some game film on Finley. That could be a possibility. Also, Auburn, home underdog 16 times over the last decade or so, 8-8 eight and eight straight up. They're 10-6 and six against the spread, 8-8 eight eight straight up as a home underdog, five of those, of course, being Iron Bowls against Alabama. So, you know, I, I like Auburn here. And, and again, I've got to get the right number to do so. That's very important to me, especially because Auburn probably loses the turnover battle. But again, a cheap three or a three-and-a-half on Auburn, and I'm a player. How much sure they lose the turnover battle? I mean, first road start for a freshman quarterback. I mean, he did look good last week. Uh, I just, you know, might be a one-off. Uh, again, I it, it concerns me because it's such a big game. And, and the money, you know, and this is one where I thought Circa had it right. I think they had it pick. That one made a hell of a lot of sense to me. Uh, I disagree with the market, and now we're getting to the point it's going to be Halloween. Uh, I, I just... You know, that concerns me when I'm so far off a big game like this one. But I got to play my ratings, trust what I've seen on the field. I, I just think LSU's getting upgraded too much for last week. So Auburn's the play. Clear pick for me. Probably if I can get three and a half or, like you said, a three reduced, uh, it'll make my card. So it'll be one of my top side plays on Saturday. Well, there you go. Consensus pick for us here on this LSU-Auburn game. Both of us looking in Auburn's direction here for this one down at Jordan-Hare. Make sure you check out our full editions of ATS Radio, which you can find on Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, wherever you stream and download your podcast content. All right, we'll do another highlight video here in a couple of minutes, but uh, 
Uh, let's find a game here to sort of take a look at. Now, let's take a look at Arkansas and Texas A&M because I think this one's pretty interesting here. A&M money looks like it's kind of come in a little bit more here today to go up to 12 and a half. Total has come down a tad to 54 and a half. What do you think about this SEC West matchup? I have it at A&M 15. So I, another okay. circle line that I agreed with the opener, then all the Arkansas money, like drove it down to 10 and a half. I thought I was going to be able to lay 10 with A&M. That's what I was looking to, to really fire on. I just didn't get there. Uh, also fired the under 62 and a half. I feel pretty good about that one. Uh, I just think Arkansas, I, a lot of rah-rah. Everyone's excited. They're 4-0 against the spread. They're covering by 12 points per game. Uh, I know they're one of the most improved teams in the country, clearly. Sam Pittman, their new head coach, made two really good hires in Kendall Bryles and Barry Odom as his coordinators. But you know what? Uh, as good as they've been as far as covering point spreads, they still don't pass the eye test to me. They're getting out game by 72 yards per game. They're plus six in turnovers. Uh, I mean, Ole Miss just had a meltdown against them as far as turnovers. I think A&M to me, Throw, you know, obviously the first two games weren't good luck. They, they they almost lost to Vanderbilt and they got crushed by Alabama. I think a lot of teams are going to get crushed by Alabama. Uh, but not the last couple of games, they started to, to me look like the team I thought they were going to be. And I thought AM was going to be a legit top 10 team. Uh, so I, I lean towards the favorite here. Uh, I just, I think Texas AM is a, like I said, a legit top 10 team. And while Arkansas has improved, this is the best, in my opinion, outside of Georgia, this is the best team they face. And keep in mind, they lost by four touchdowns to Georgia. I got this one 11 and a half. So I'm, you know, relatively in line with the All right, ball. a bet, dinner bet? No. I keep losing them. All right. No, I'm, I'm not taking a dinner bet here because I, I agree with a lot of what you said. You know, I, I think I have accurately upgraded Arkansas with the coordinator hires, with Felipe Franks, with the fact that they just look a lot better. I mean, this is a program that's been kind of in shambles for a little while here. They look a lot better. The thing about A&M is, I think A&M is one of those teams that will beat and will handle teams worse than them and will look bad against teams better than they are. I think that's just kind of what they're going to be there in the SEC West with Jimbo Fisher, and more importantly, with a Jimbo Fisher-led team that has issues on the offensive line. You can get by with issues on the offensive line against lesser teams. When you step up in class, you cannot. So I, I just think that's kind of the easy handicap for Texas A&M is that when they're clearly better than a team and they're clearly better than Arkansas, then you've got the opportunity to play on them. If they're not clearly better than the team they're playing, you probably want to pick against them. And there will be chances to do that with that SEC, SEC West schedule as we go forward here. Yeah, and I... I'm sorry, I don't have good concrete stats here, but but I did see something yesterday where when Texas A&M under Jimbo is not playing a top ten team, they're eighteen and two. Eighteen and two. That's not against the spread. That's just straight up. They just, they just beat the teams they should. And again, I think they should beat this team. Uh, Twelve and a half. It's not a big bet for me, but but yeah, I, I would lay it. I, I think the number should be fourteen. All right, we'll finish up on the college football side here with a highlight video staying in the SEC, but flipping to the SEC East here. As we talk about game 193-194, Missouri and Florida. Florida, 12.5-point favorite. Total on this game actually down now into the 61 range. This is a tough handicap for a variety of different reasons. The first is, of course, Florida had a massive rash of COVID cases. We don't know if everybody's going to play, who all is going to be available, how much practicing they've done, this and that. The second part is 
I think Missouri is a pretty good team. I think Eli Drinkwitz is doing a phenomenal job. I just don't know if they're ready for a moment like this. Great points. Uh, I, you got to take the dog here just because Florida, the possibility, it's either Florida's not, which you know, the line seems about right. Maybe it would be a little bit higher if the COVID isn't an issue for them, or they are going to be significantly impacted. So I think you got a decent bet, at least taking a little bit on Missouri here. Uh, Florida didn't practice for two weeks. That's got to be an impact, you would think. And you, again, don't know who's going to be officially out for them. Although I will say this, I've been betting on this COVID stuff all year, and it's been a hit and miss. And, and by hit and miss, I don't mean uh, 57%. I don't mean 55 It's literally been 50-50 in some instances, uh, just been de- you know dead wrong, <laughs> even getting that out in front of numbers uh, on some of those COVID issues. So, you know, if everything was in a perfect world, I, I would say Florida's probably 14 and a half ish is what I would have it. it it's not in this instance. So I, I would lean Missouri here and you mentioned it Missouri last week. You want to talk about a you know, okay. They upset Kentucky 20 to 10. Now it's not going to move the, the, the needle much. I think among most casual betters, you dive into that box score. I mean, it's like they should have beaten Kentucky by 40. They absolutely drilled the Wildcats last week. I mean, they had the they had the football for 43 minutes, just took it at them. They had Missouri had a 21 play drive to start the third quarter. They somehow didn't score on a 21 play drive, took up 10 minutes. So I I think Missouri is clearly starting to to show some progression here the last couple of weeks. Lean on the Tigers for me, but not, not a big bet because the COVID stuff to me has been hit and miss. Yeah, this is one where I would have the line 15, and that is my peer power rating number, but I don't know who's in and who's out for Florida. Yep. I don't know how much they practice. One thing I do know, and I know Kentucky's offense is inept, and of course we see that line movement for their game against Georgia, is that, as you mentioned, Missouri had the ball pretty much all game long. The 21-play yep. drive that went 66 yards, they got stopped, I think, at like the one-yard line, turned it over on downs. They had a 15-play drive for 61 yards where all they did was kick a field goal. They had a couple of other short field goals in that game. This is a live betting opportunity to me. If I see Missouri moving the football and controlling the game, it's a live under, or if Missouri's a big enough dog, Mm. I will take them. Because to me, Florida hasn't played in three weeks, and I don't know how much practicing they've been doing. And guys have had a respiratory illness. If Missouri is chewing up clock, keeping Florida's defense on the field, they have to get worn down. So I think Missouri, that's their game plan. I think that's exactly what they want to do here, even with what's happened to the total on this game, even with how bad Florida's defense looked early on, how explosive their offense looked. I think it's under, or you wait and try to take a live under here if Missouri is controlling the clock as they did last week. That's as sharp as it gets right there. Sure it is. As sharp as a dull knife, right? <laughs> ah, sounds all good. And then, you know, it's Florida, you know, totals you know they're and going and up and down the yeah they're going up Florida and down the field 45 to 3 like Notre Dame and Pitt was last week yeah <laughs> but no I I couldn't agree more that they I 
Missouri's game plan has to be that they want to lean on Florida a little bit. We saw Texas A&M be able to uh, – Texas A&M team that I don't think is a really – we mentioned it is a great power rushing team, but they were able to lean on Florida. I think Missouri controls the – the ball, and if they're they're capable of doing it early, why not? I mean, they can make it a fourth quarter game real easily by limiting the possessions. Well, there you go. There's a highlight video from ATS Radio with host Adam Burke and pro better and handicapper Brad Powers from BradPowerSports.com. Make sure you listen to the full editions of ATS Radio wherever you stream and download your podcast content. All right, with that, we transition over to the NFL side of things here, where again, as we talked about already. Weather is the big story here. Significant wins expected in Green Bay, in Buffalo, in Cincinnati, in Cleveland. A lot of the early games will be impacted by weather. Then, of course, you've got uh, New Orleans and Chicago in the afternoon in the 4 o'clock slot where weather will be a factor in Chicago as well. So I think that this card in general, Brad, was, was tough enough. But now you factor in some of these weather things that will take teams out of their game plans I think it makes it that much more difficult. It's a very difficult card because uh, in a lot of these games, it's, you know, Green Bay, Minnesota have been two dead nut over teams and now weather's going to be a significant factor. All right. It's priced in, you know, it moved what a couple of points, both, the, you know, almost all the totals moved a couple of points yesterday. So now you, you're playing steam You're playing, you know, you could have gotten the best of the number yesterday. Although when you got windy forecasts, I mean, we're still three days out. It's tough to predict wind a lot of times uh i mean it's tough enough to predict uh, the weather as it is wind i've seen oh it's gonna be significant it's gonna be significant and then just all of a sudden it isn't so that i probably wasn't a- aggressive as i should have been this week uh playing those again it's tough to handicap because uh, the teams how drastically are they going to change the game plans Aaron Rodgers had a great year so far uh you know do they are they going to be way more conservative? If that's the case, I don't feel like laying seven. Uh, B- Buffalo, New England looks like there's going to be some weather in that one a little bit. Is that going to impact New England at all? They haven't done anything on offense the, the, the last three weeks. Uh, Las Vegas and Cleveland have been two dead nut over teams. It'll be very interesting to see how that impacts uh, the, 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 those. Yeah, I, I struggled. Again, my newsletter, I come up with three picks a week. Whether it's side or total, I got to tell you, man, this uh, I've been doing it six years now in my newsletter. This would make the top five in a six-year period as far as difficult finding, uh, if, other than just blindly betting the unders in those four games. Tough picking some sides and totals this week. One of the most difficult weeks I've ever had. Yeah, well, and I get to try to find five sides for the circuit here this week. How are you doing, though? You're doing all right, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, doing well. What is it? Uh, 21, 13, and 1 so far. Exactly. So, I, everyone complains, well. and yet everyone you know does well. A lot of people are doing well in both of those contests here so far this year, though. The books have not had good NFL Sundays to this point. There were a couple that were decent. Last week was not a good one. Uh, the field did very well in both of those contests. I'll talk about and that. When the on- books do bad, I do bad. So I'm, not, I'm having my worst NFL season in six years. Well, I'll talk about what kind of happened last week and what to look for going forward here on Friday's edition of ATS Radio when I talk about my picks and leans for the Circus Sports Million. I will say this, just sort of generally looking down the card here, uh, of the games that we've already kind of glossed over here, I kind of like Minnesota a little bit just for the simple fact that they have been an elite defense on third down several years in a row now because Mike Zimmer is an excellent play caller. 
Now the bye week really hurt them because they actually wound up losing a couple of guys to injury. They traded in Gakwe, stuff like that. But third down's a passing down. And the Vikings are already really good on third down. So if the weather is going to be bad and it's harder to throw, maybe that gives Minnesota an extra edge defensively, an extra weapon towards trying to defend Aaron Rodgers. So maybe I start looking at Minnesota because of that. Buffalo can't run the football. So the fact that they can't throw as easily makes me wonder if maybe New England is the play there. But New England's offense, as you mentioned, has just been dreadful in the last several weeks. Under for me. Even though it's down. Yeah. Under, still under. I agree with that. Uh, Tennessee, Tennessee, Cincinnati. Cincinnati throws the ball like 60 times a game. Yep. Wind's going to be 25 mile per hour gusts. Could be a little bit of precipitation. Got to figure that favors Tennessee a little bit, uh, you know, because Joe Burrow just has to throw all the time. And Mixon was out last week. We'll see if Mixon plays this week. Vegas and Cleveland, I have no idea. Cleveland, three guys on the offensive line didn't practice yesterday. Treader, uh, Teller, and Conklin. Uh, Chubb is still out. OBJ is out now. Hooper's still out because he has appendix out last week. So the Browns have all kinds of offensive concerns that I'm worried about a little bit. But as far as other games, Indianapolis and Detroit, right? Do the Colts deserve to be favored over really anybody on the road right now? I don't think I so. Agree. There was a lot of hatred about Phillip Rivers going into the bye, but also they're off the bye. I think Frank Reich is, you know, a certainly an upper half coach, maybe borderline top 10 coach in the NFL. Do I want to pick against Reich coming off the bye? I don't know, but it doesn't seem right to me that in Indianapolis, the road favorite in that game. I agree. I, I had that one Indy one. So if I got the full field goal, I'd lean Detroit. Uh, I, I, I certainly think that that would be a lean there. That if I, that I was having to make a contest pick, what, what is it though? It's probably two and a half in the contest, isn't it? Uh, I don't think Cir- Circa hasn't put the numbers out yet. I'd have All to right. check the super contest card. Uh, Circa puts them on, I think like 10 or 11 AM Pacific All time right. on Thursdays, but it's two and a half in the super contest. So I, I presume the Circa <laughs> probably goes two and a half. Yeah. So tough. Right. So that's tough. Uh, the Rams in Miami, right? If Ryan Fitzpatrick is playing for the dolphins this week, I love Miami. It's a terrible spot for the Rams. It is terrible going East for the fourth time. Fifth road game in seven weeks. What the hell's Tua going to do? I have no idea. I just don't I lean Rams because I'm not buying Tua. Right. But maybe they, they see, they watch the practices. They're there. They're smarter than me. Maybe they're seeing something. But I'll tell you what I see. I, I saw Tua play at Alabama, and now I see Mac Jones at Alabama. Mac Jones has two less weapons, two first-round wide receivers that he is not playing with this year that Tua had the last couple of years. And Mac Jones three-star Mac Jones is putting up as good as numbers as what Tua was. I think Tua was just surrounded by an unbelievable amount of talent in Alabama. I'm not buying him. Mac so Jones I'll take a position there. Mac Jones had a pretty good game without Jalen Waddle against Tennessee too. Yeah. So he has one. So they still have Devonte Smith and they got a couple of matches pretty good for them, but they had four first round draft picks at wide receiver last year. That's who Tua was throwing to four legit first round guys. Yeah, and, and you wonder, and, and here's the thing. The, the thing that would make me still think about Miami, I think this defense is pretty good. I think Brian Flores has done a really good job. I think this secondary is very solid. Jared Goff on the road, you know, so on and so forth. It's not a bad weather game or anything like that. But, I man, I, it, it's a game that – and these are the things that piss me off in, in sports betting is 
you get a spot like this. You isolate a spot like this multiple weeks ago. Yep. And for one reason or another, it gets hijacked, you know, and it's just, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's maddening. It is so yeah. frustrating. Like New Orleans and Chicago, right? Another bad weather game. Drew Brees ain't going to do shit in bad weather. At least I don't think so. But the Saints can actually run the ball. So maybe they just rely yeah. heavily on the running game. And I don't know what the Bears offense does. It's like every game, every game, I can find something I like about one side and something I like about the other side. And I'm going to have to sit there and decide which one of those angles means more to me. And God, I wish I could just play totals in the Circa. <laughs> yeah, that would, I mean, so instead of 60%, you'd hit 70. Yeah, I wish. The, the one thing I will say, and, and shame on me for liking this, I'm probably going to take Denver again this week. And I would, I would. Oh, three overreaction. I, yeah. just, I mean, how in the hell do you lose a game by 27 when you had like a 150 yard edge? I mean, it was, I'm, um, can't, I bet the under obviously like an idiot. I got ahead of a line move because of snow, but how in the hell does Kansas city score 43 points when they didn't even convert a, a third down, didn't even gain 300 yards, a couple off non-offensive touchdowns helps you, but still I Denver, I would be a pick for me. I'll tell you this. This is going to surprise you. I like Baltimore this week. I'll lay the number with Baltimore. All I right, don't hang think... on a minute. Hang on a minute. Wait, we uh, got it. We're doing a highlight on that one. We're going to do a highlight on it because we're on opposite All sides right. here. So we're going to do a... All right. And, Let's and do imp- it. An impromptu highlight video here for the NFL on ATS radio. I'm host Adam Burke. That's professional better and handicapper Brad Powers talking about game 281, 282, Pittsburgh and Baltimore. Baltimore, three and a half, pretty much the number market-wide, 46 and a half the total here. And we're going to have a difference of opinion on this one. So we'll start with the smarter of the two of us in Brad Powers. Oh, I don't know about that. When it comes to the NFL, you're kicking my ass this year. But I, I, here's what I'll say. I, I like looking at look-ahead lines. Look-ahead line, maybe it was dead off on this one, had Baltimore six. Okay, Pittsburgh won, was impressive, upgrade them. What did Baltimore do? They're sitting at home eating cheeseburgers. They're on a bye, and speaking on a bye, Harbaugh coming off a bye has been damn good. I mean, he's 12-3 and straight up. He's 10-5 and against the spread coming off a bye. That's even counting a couple of disappointing playoff performances. He's even better when it's a regular season. Here's what I'm playing. I, I know a lot of people are going to say, hey, Pittsburgh's going to play the disrespect card because they're unbeaten. and It's a rivalry game. It's been an unbelievably close series. It's, it is the best rivalry in the last 20 years in the NFL, and it's been remarkably consistently close. To me, I think there's a little bit higher variance because of Lamar Jackson. And for me, it's how many times can Pittsburgh you know, be up? I mean, you, you saw them play Philly. I mean, I, that's in the game that impo- is very important for in-state. Then they they smashed the Browns to make sure to squash that great, very good performance by Pittsburgh. Last week in the Battle of Unbeatens, they get up early, and then they have to hold on for dear life against Tennessee. Meanwhile, Baltimore, again, sitting at home last week. I just think A effort from Baltimore, and they're not as good as last year, but but – I agree with more the look at line. I made it six. Ravens were my favorite play of the week as far as sides. All right. So we're opposite this one. We'll have to Give do another one of me. our dinner bets where you owe me about 12 of those already. I like Pittsburgh here. And, you know, the thing about Pittsburgh is, as you said, you know, how many times can they keep getting back up? And I think it's a fair argument to make, but they keep doing it. And I think that, you know, this illustrates 
Mike Tomlin and how good of a head coach he is, even though there were some people a couple of years ago that wanted him fired. And, you know, I, I have no idea why. But when I look at how this Pittsburgh defense specifically is comprised, it was built with one objective in mind to defend Lamar Jackson and stop Baltimore. Think about the team speed that this Pittsburgh defense has. Think about the blitzing that they're able to do because they trust their corners enough in single coverage. They want to be able to stop Lamar Jackson. And last year in the game, Lamar Jackson played three interceptions, 3.8 yards per play for the Ravens. Again, only one data point. So I don't want to overreact too much to that one game, but it was pretty clear that Pittsburgh had the right game plan, did make Lamar Jackson uncomfortable. Jackson's not running as much this year. He's trying not to unless he absolutely has to. And maybe he pulls that weapon out of the bag this week. And maybe it is something that does help Baltimore to this win and cover. But there's something that hasn't looked right about the Ravens here so far. Maybe they figure it out off the bye. Maybe they don't. Jackson said he got together with his wide receivers and they worked on some different things. I just think Pittsburgh is a really, really, really good team. It is not a fluke that they've gotten to where they are. And I think getting the hook here with three and a half is something that could come into play. I will take Pittsburgh here in this one. You can get better than a hook. You probably get four, buddy. Yeah, I probably could. I I probably won't get four in the Circa. I mean, maybe. But I'm telling you, man. And again, I understand what you're saying about the look ahead line, and I totally agree. I think it's also interesting, too, a game we talked about a lot with Brian Blessing on the show here, the look ahead line for Tampa Bay and Las Vegas was pick. Then all of a sudden it goes to three. What did Vegas do wrong? Nothing. They got COVID after the line move happened. They had beaten Kansas City outright the week before. It was just that they hadn't played. So I understand what you're saying about the line movement, and I agree with where it is. Groove's not good off a of bye. He's kind of lackadaisical. Hey, give yeah. the guys, you know, a week off. Harbaugh isn't that guy to me. That's why – and t- Cal Sports had a good trend. Home teams coming off a of bye are very poor, like 45% against the spread. They get overvalued in the market because everyone wants to play on the home team off a bye. That's why it's specifically isolated hardball. Belichick's still good. A lot of the elite head coaches are still great off a bye because, you know, they're not giving, they're not lackadaisical and giving players the week or so off and they're not buttoned up. Hardball's the type of guy that's buttoned up, especially when it was this game that, that was coming off the bye. So, Good difference of opinion. A lot of difference of opinion. I, some of the sharpest guys I know are on the Pittsburgh side. I, I know a couple guys that I really respect are also on the Baltimore side. I think you're going to get a lot of two-way action on this one. The one thing I will say that I think you and I can both agree with, if Andy Dalton plays for Dallas on November 8th, it, you probably have to take Dallas against Pittsburgh, right? Because if they're going to fall flat, third straight road game is probably the one off of you know so many yeah. big games in a row. Hard bet to make, but I think it's probably the right one. <laughs> yeah, very tough. I think. To make. We'll see what Dallas – I don't know, man. They might have waved the white flag. That's I just I, – I, the fact they really didn't rush to pick up Dalton when it was a dirty, cheap shot. I mean, typically when you see something like that, the players, if they're all in, I mean, they go get, take a shot at one of the, the, the football the, – the Washington team's players. Don't they get up and shove them at least? You didn't even see it. They're just like looking around, looking – and a helpless Andy Dalton laying there on the ground. I don't like anything I'm seeing from Dallas. That's fair. That's fair. But we got a difference of opinion here on Pittsburgh and Baltimore. Dinner bet. Dinner bet for sure here on ATS Radio. Make sure you subscribe to the full editions of ATS Radio 
Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, wherever you stream and download your podcast content. Well, I think we covered a lot of ground here in the NFL. No point talking about the Monday Nighter because somebody from the Jets has COVID, so that line's on the move now. But the uh, Giants? The Giants, yeah. Well, somebody from the Jets probably has it too. And the team just, looks like they've had it all year. That's a good point. Nine, COVID minus 19 and a half in that game against Kansas City. <laughs> Jesus. What? 19 and a half in the end. I mean, I know what happens, but my God. And Kansas City probably covers it too, right? I lean Jets, but but I mean, they wouldn't be on my circuit card no. uh, and wouldn't release it. They're probably, a, again, a pizza bet. Not even a dinner bet. I'm talking like uh, a Totino's pizza bet on the Jets oh. for me. Oh, God. <laughs> frozen, frozen pizza bet. There we go. Yeah. Not even worth making, right? Bad frozen pizza, P- too. Pizza rolls bet, maybe? I actually yeah. like pizza rolls, though. I haven't had them since a kid, man. That, uh, bad memories. How can you have bad memories of eating pizza rolls? I just Totino's pizza is so bad, dude. The pizza rolls are fine. At least I, I, I think so. I don't know. Uh, I'm I'm a fat guy. I'll eat anything, I guess. I don't know. All right. Anyway, now I'm gonna go get some lunch <laughs> after recording here with Brad Me Powers, too. professional handicapper from BradPowersports.com. What's going on over at the website right now, man? Yeah, newsletter. Uh this will be the I'll tell you what though. Don't buy the newsletter this week. Just, you know what, I got it up there for free right now. You can check it out. It's on the homepage. You can check out my newsletter for free this week. Why am I not telling you to buy it this week? Because next week I'm lowering the price. When the Pac-12 and Mac get involved, I'm going to run a newsletter special for 49 bucks, And I'm not lowering that price uh, until probably Christmas. So if you want basically a free month on the newsletter, wait till next week, purchase it for 49 bucks for the rest of the season. And you can download this week's issue for free. Just go to the homepage there, scroll down on all those links there. You'll see the week nine issue uh, is available for free to download. So that's the powers picks newsletter. You'll be able to check it out this week for free. And if you like what you see, buy it next week for 49 bucks. I like it. it. It's almost like trick or treating, but for adults, for degenerate adults that bet on sports, you yep. know, we actually uh, get something in our little jack-o'-lantern basket there uh, with the free edition this week of the powers picks newsletter, Brad powers, professional handicapper and better over at bradpowersports.com at Brad powers and the number seven on Twitter. Brad, always a pleasure, man. Thank you so much. And we'll talk to you again next week. All right. Thanks for having me on as always. There you go. There's Brad Powers again at Brad Powers and the number seven on Twitter. BradPowersports.com is the website. Coming up on Friday, whatever I come up with, four picks and leans for week eight in the Circus Sports Million. Again, my ATS.io-2 entry, 21-13-1 so far. So hopefully we can continue that here on this tough week eight. That'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And I will talk to you again tomorrow. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. 
Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.